Hi, and welcome to the Sailorville Church Podcast. My name is Abe Miller, and I'm here with Pat Nemmers once again. Good afternoon. Hey, Abe. Good to be back with you. Yeah, it's been a. It seems like it's been a couple weeks since we've done one. It's been about exactly a couple weeks since, we, <laughs> Has it? since we've done. Seems one. like it, and it is. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it's good to good to be back. Good to um, be back in James, which uh, we've started a couple weeks ago, and yeah. James one five through eight, which is wisdom. Yeah, wisdom and trials, particularly, and we didn't do one last week, and that one was really the first. Uh, you know, the message on trials, which we titled Joy Under Trials. I don't know if you have any questions from that. I never thought about talking about that a little bit. But this does uh, connect with the first couple of verses, which says to count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet. I love that you meet like like you're being introduced to something. When you meet various trials, uh, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, uh, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. It's an amazing statement, and that was the first of these uh, messages, and we spent quite a bit of time, and we kind of went off on C.H. Spurgeon's famous uh, line, which uh, said he said he had learned, in other words, it wasn't something he figured out overnight, but I've learned to kiss the waves that uh, throw me against the rock of ages. And so we answered the question a couple of weeks ago, how, how you do that, how, how can you get to that place where you are, uh, you know, kissing, so to speak, uh, affectionately embracing yeah. the things that God places in your life. And uh, so this message on Sunday was a continuation of that. And I think it's probably um, worth saying, and we'll have to be... Um, vague at this point, you and me, but this has been quite a week. Yeah, uh, We've had, uh, uh, it's almost like God set us up for lots of trials, yep. uh, and we've had several of them. And they're, we're talking really individual trials, physical trials uh, of, of significant nature. And um, um, so we have people that they are really close, that are near and dear to us, that are going through some really big trials, just like some of you, our listening audience, you may be going through a heavy trial. We've made that clear that everybody goes through trials. Right. It's just a matter of how deep and how hard they may be. But I think that's interesting. I would just throw one other thing before I throw it back at you, Abe, and that is the irony of the fact, I mentioned it in my message that, uh, you know, I, I have a son that's actually starting the book of James, and, uh, and he's exactly where I'm at. And we didn't even know that. We hadn't even talked to one another. So yeah. it's been a lot of fun going back and forth. And then, literally, just within the last hour, uh, a young a collegiate uh, going to a university, uh, not in our area, uh, and going to a good Bible-believing church at that uh, university town, just informed us that they, too, are going yeah. through the book of James. Wow. And this young collegiate, has just received information very uh, disheartening. And uh, so God's timing has been very yeah. powerful here. Very powerful. Yeah, I feel like we've we've said that, count it all joy. I don't know how many times I feel like we've heard that, said that in the last week or two, uh, just in different circumstances, situations, people going through different things. And it's, it's, it comforting. Is, it's comforting, though. It yeah. is comforting, and it's, it, I, it's comforting to me when— 
when I walk into a situation like I did the other day where somebody was had just received some really bad information about their health. Mm-hmm. I mean, really bad. And um, I, I walked into the room. I took one look at him, and he looked at me. He said, well, Pastor, count it all joy. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, I'll, I mean, <laughs> that was the right thing to say. Yeah. But, man, I'll tell you what, that spoke to my heart. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's good. It's been good. It's been a good uh, already, and we're just getting into James, so we've got we've got a long way to go with a lot of really good, um, challenging verses ahead to look at and encouraging. So yeah, with this one, we're talking about you know trials, trials and wisdom in our trials. Um, I don't know if you want to just quickly touch on it, and then there, I've got a couple of questions that we can talk about. Well, you know, we said that in your trial, again, this, the context is still going through our trials. What's our, what it, you know, we're, we're answering the question, what is your greatest need in your trial? And let's be honest. I mean, humanly speaking, you would say my greatest need in my trial is to get out of my trial, to figure out, figure a way out. And, uh, according to James, your greatest need in your trial is wisdom. Um, and so he, he tells us that if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God, you know, who, who gives generously mm. and he doesn't reproach us in, in the process. Yep. So, so let's start off with kind of some basic things. And you even said this in the message about, you know, it's not just information or data, but it's wisdom. Like what's the, what's the difference there? Because a lot of times people are like, even, even, um, Bible knowledge, right? Like we need more knowledge. We need more information. We need more books. We need to read more books. You know, I was thinking about this just before we went on the air on this. And on uh, Sunday, as I was walking up to preach, well, no, I was I was walking up to sit down before the worship, and then I would preach. But there was a there was a, a there was a guy in our church that had his iPad open, and he it, it was a I hadn't seen what he was doing. And he was he was using AI to answer some of his Bible cr- questions. And he was on some program, some program that was artificial intelligence, and it was it was blowing his mind, which I know you've seen some of this as well. Yeah. Our own tech managers throwing stuff into the AI, uh, some app that uh, gets crazy answers. Yeah. A lot of them are just like, oh, my goodness, they're so – they're like pinpoint accuracy. And sometimes not so much. But let's just assume for the moment that AI is perfect in its data uh, – uh, accumulation and articulation coming out. Let's just, we know it's not, but let's just say it's perfect. Cause a lot of times you get, it's like, wow, that was spot on, you know, cause you could type in the AI system. We're all, give me all the times where Jesus, right. you know, uh, got angry or something and there all there, it's all there. It's got like a, like a crazy instant concordance and lots of other things that go along with it. Uh, but this guy was looking at this and he was just, he was just amazed by it. And I said, yeah, that's, that's amazing. And I thought to myself, that's amazing, but it's not wise. Uh, knowledge, the, thing, the interesting thing about wisdom, wisdom requires knowledge. Knowledge does not require wisdom. I can't be wise unless I know something, unless I have some information, some data, right. and that I'm operating off of. And that's really, that's the whole business with wisdom is I'm, I'm doing something with what I have. I'm, I'm obeying, I'm 
applying it. I'm acting. Uh, I just got off the phone within the last few hours with a young man that was uh, living in a compromised situation. Let's put it that way. He had lots of questions. He didn't know. He really wanted, he had some legitimate questions he needed legitimate answers for, but he was, but as I probed a little deeper into his life, he was living in a compromised situation. He was not living wisely. Mm. And I said to him, you're not going to get the other answers until you obey what's right in front of you. I mean, it was very blatant that he was living in a sinful way. I mean, he, I think he wants to live for the Lord. I think he's a Christian, but he struggles. And I said, wisdom, wisdom says you're going to apply separating from this situation you're in, and then you might get some clarity in the other areas. So to your question, knowledge is exactly that. It's the accumulation of data. And, but, and you have to have that if you're going to be wise. But um, so it does require, wisdom does require knowledge. Knowledge does not require wisdom. And uh, you just get smarter and more brainier and all that stuff because you know something. Well, and, and with, like you were mentioning, the AI stuff and the internet, I mean, we have so much information and so much knowledge and data. I mean, you can pull up anything about anything anywhere, but that doesn't mean that you're wise. I mean, especially in today's generation, I mean, like it's, it's a completely different, completely different conversation. You know, we can, we can spit out information so quickly right on your phone, but the wisdom thing is, is a totally different, um, animal in a lot of ways. Yeah. And even as you were saying this, I thought of the prophecy of Daniel at the very end of the book of Daniel, Daniel, you know, he's getting glimpses and visions of future stuff, lots of it the future kingdoms that are to come, the everlasting kingdom that is to come. And he, he uh, concludes uh, in Daniel 12, it says, at that, time, uh, at that time shall arise Michael, the archangel, the great prince who is in charge of your people, that is over Israel. He's the archangel over Israel. How cool is that? Uh, so Abe, when you go to Israel here in another month, you'll be under the protection of the archangel Michael. How do you like that? Wow. And there shall be time of trouble such as has never been nation uh, uh, until that time. But at that time, your people shall be delivered. Everyone whose name is found in the book of life are written in the book, rather. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life and some to everlasting shame. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky. And those who turn many to righteousness, like the stars forever and ever. In other words, I, I take that to be the soul winners of today. I mean, there's going to be a bright, there's going to be, they're doing something with the knowledge that they have. And then this line, but you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the end. Many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall increase or greatly increase knowledge, not wisdom. Mm. The time of the end knowledge is going to be greatly increased. Got AI, let social media. You could just sit there forever in front of your computer and get amass knowledge, but it's not going to give you wisdom. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. Okay. So how, how do we get wisdom? I mean, like that is kind of the thing, right? We, we pray about it. We ask for it. Like you even said, you know, ask God and, uh, we're supposed to do that. But like, how, 
I mean, sometimes you 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 hear somebody say that guy, that guy, or that that lady's very wise. They're a wise person, and then other people you might not say that. Like, eh, maybe not so wise or whatever. Like, not making great decisions. So, what's the difference between those two types of people? Even though they might still be believers, both believers. What's the difference between someone who's wise and maybe not yeah. wise? Well, even think about the question when you say. And you don't hear this very often, but when you do hear it, it's like, he, he's a wise man. He's a wise person. Um, you, you don't think of somebody who's super, super smart. Because we'll say that, oh, he's really smart. Yeah. And you don't mean he's really wise. You just mean he's really smart. We, we have other terms for people who are what we call book smart. They're, they just accumulate knowledge like crazy. Uh, but wise people tend to be those people who... Uh, have uh, a character that backs up their knowledge. It seems like when I say he's a wise person or she's a wise woman, um, what comes to my mind is is the character, the fruits of the spirit. You know, they have love, they have joy. There's a peace about them. There's a gentleness about them. There's a self control about them. Uh, and and you just it's not it's there's something about their demeanor. You know their and their yeah. their character and and then and so when they speak, you just kind of want to lean into them a little bit and hear what they have to say, and um, because they they have a life that's their life is ordered. Uh, I I think God put a God put a woman in in my life uh, before in my first ministry. I won't name her, but she was incredibly smart. In fact, she argued at one point for a certain uh, patent on that were in uh, runways and uh, the the aisles and in in, um, in airplanes. You know, you always when you go to the, when you get to on a flight, you know the the um, uh, the stewardess will they and they go over the intercom. They tell you in case of this, in case yeah, of a, yeah, yeah uh, you know uh, we we have to have a water landing and and then they always put their arms down, they, they go, and the lights will light up a line. So this woman claimed that she was the one who came up with that idea. Mm. Almost, almost won it in a court. I don't think she did win it or she'd be like, like uber rich, but, um, she was like off the charts. Brilliant. I mean like crazy off the charts. Brilliant. She's so smart. We would be in, we'd have uh, Sunday schools and, and uh, we'd have open converse, you know, conversations and Bible studies. And she always had the, her hand always went up and she always had the right answer. Mm. Uh, but there was just something about her that, uh, and people at first, new Christians were going, oh man, she's really smart. Um, but I prayed because there was something about her. She was always just sketchy about her character is always real sketchy. And I asked God, because we had so many new Christians in that church, I asked God to expose her, expose her privately. I said, "Lord, she's not changing. I've talked to her enough, and but I'm asking you to expose her so these new Christians won't be misled." And within a week, this was a small town. Her name appeared for I think it was called fifth degree theft, which is basically writing bad checks, oh. and uh, and people all saw it because everybody read the local oh, paper. Uh, you know, real smart, but not wise. Yeah. And uh, so I think the answer to that is it's, it's a little bit, it's, I know why we ask these questions. It's not like, and here's what a wise person is. But I think if you hang around people long enough, you can tell, yeah, 
there's wisdom in him. There's wisdom in her. And those are the kind of people we should probably try to be near. Yeah. Why? What, what, what does Solomon say? He who, walks, he who walks with wise men will become wise. But a companion of fools, and I take it the fool might be a knowledgeable person, but he's a fool because he doesn't put it into practice. He's going to suffer harm. Is that Proverbs or? Proverbs. I think it's 2013, but okay. we'll check it you out. You said Psalms, I think. But I think yeah, it's Proverbs. Yeah, it's Proverbs. I think 2013 or 1320. I'll see how Dick's like. Check it out. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's 20. It's 1320. Whoever walks with wise becomes wise. Yep. But a companion of fools will suffer harm. Well, and that. So let's talk about, you know, just the Bible and knowledge there and wisdom there. I mean, I think, you, you know, we talk about character, we talk about people who are wise, but a lot of that comes from their time with the Lord their understanding of scripture, the way they apply scripture. And, and it is, it is interesting when you talk about people like just gaining knowledge, you know, we've known people throughout the years who very smart can quote scripture, can tell you Bible stories, have all the answers, but then like outside of the Christian bubble, it's like they make just stupid decisions. And it's like the two don't, the two don't match, you know? So like, it's yes. You have it, but you're not applying it. You're not, you know, like James, you know, you're not being doers of the word. You're you're not hearing it and doing it. You're just accumulating information to regurgitate. But how does the, how does scripture, when we talk about how do we gain wisdom as we pray about it, how does scripture tie into that um, as people think about that and pray about that? Well, I think it's important that we don't get to a place where we think, Oh, I don't want to have much knowledge then because, man, if I don't apply it, you know, I, you know, I mean, let's, we need God's word. We need the knowledge of God's word. It, I, that's why I said early on, you need knowledge in order to be wise. You don't, right. uh, but just because you have knowledge doesn't make you wise, uh, but it should make you wise. So I do think those people are probably some of the most miserable people on earth because they know, and that makes them accountable. Uh, you know, um, uh, so let's take the subject of church discipline. That sounds like a jump, but it's not intended to be. Some of the people that are, ta- you know, we don't discipline people very often, but every once in a while when somebody defies the word of God, the testimony of Jesus is that is being uh, 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 sullied, so to speak. And um, then we have to, you know, we go through the Matthew 18 procedure and hopefully they'll repent and turn back to the Lord. But if they don't, we have a we have a mechanism given to us by scripture that we 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 uh, we have to treat them as Jesus a, a heathen and a tax collector. They get cast out of the fellowship of the church, and we're still trying to reach out to them, but they're not they're gone. Uh, those kind of people, oftentimes, these are form. You don't discipline somebody unless they're a member of your church, and they're if they're a member of their church, they have a lot of knowledge. They have. They've accumulated knowledge. They they had to learn what it meant to become a member. They had to agree to what it uh, the, the terms of membership, and they sat under the word of God. They hung out with people, the people of God. There's a crazy amount of information that gets into these people, and now they're living in a place where they have all that information. And and you can say, and it's doing nothing to their life. I disagree. It is doing something to their life. It's it's. It's convicting them until, unless, of course, they harden themselves. That's 
that's a scary, scary, scary place to be. Uh, so um, I'm using that as an illustration, whereas when you don't apply knowledge, which is what wisdom is, if you don't apply knowledge, the knowledge doesn't just go away. You don't mm. become stupid overnight, you know? Yeah. You still have that knowledge. So, but at the end of the day, we need the knowledge of God because it does change us. I mean, it's the word of God, it in and of itself has power to change our lives. And it and remember, um, God, you have the word of God and you have the Holy Spirit living in you. And those are the agents that stir us up to be obedient. And when we're obedient to the truths that we have in our minds, that's wise. And then that wisdom leads to joy and everything else. So, yeah, maybe it goes along with the question I'm going to ask here. But, you know, the part that says, ask God. And you often hear people when you pray, you know, hey, God, give us wisdom. We yeah. pray for wisdom for, you know, which you mentioned in the message too when you asked that. Um, but what, what, when we're asking God for wisdom, what are we specifically, what are we specifically, what's the, what's the motive behind the ask, I guess? And why do we, why do we pray for wisdom? Like, why do we need it? What are we, is it, is it just so that we seem wise? <laughs> like, wow, he's a really wise guy. Or is it, what's it for? I guess. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, if you answer your own question, when you, when you pray for wisdom, what do you mean when you ask God sincerely, I need to be wise. My guess is you want to be wise toward making a decision. That's usually where people are at. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know whether I should take this job. Don't know whether I should buy this car. Should I buy this house? Should my kids go to this certain school? Um, uh, should I make this uh, certain investment? Um, and so they're big things. They're life altering things to some degree. And so we pray for wisdom. You know, we ask God, give us wisdom about that school. We're really asking God to help us to make the right decision. And there is some truth to that. I think that's, you're doing something. You're making a decision, you're going in the right direction. You're really asking for direction is what you're asking for. You're looking for the wisdom of direction. Okay. But I think wisdom, when we really understand wisdom and we ask God for wisdom, we need to know that we're, we're, we're really asking God to make us willing to do what we need to do and not just know what we need to know. That's there, there's a difference between those two. And that's why James says, be doers of the word, not hearers only. Because hearers get knowledge. Hearers get smarter. Hearers can pass tests and get A's and become summa cum laude and everything. Doesn't make them doers. Yeah. So what do you like when you pray for wisdom, what 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 are you asking for? Direction. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, to be very candid, this is this was a revelation to me to some degree as I was studying this because it is it is more than just direction, and I have been guilty of praying for wisdom and just really being one dimensional with that prayer, the wisdom of direction. I just think it's it's much bigger than that, yeah. and I need to be bigger in my prayers for wisdom. Yeah. So what would that, I mean, when we say that, I mean, I agree with the statement and I agree with the direction thing, but like bigger, like, what do we mean by that? Like, what do you mean it's bigger than that? I mean, wisdom for not just direction, but for 
the way I interact with people, the way that I see scripture, the way that I apply it, the way that I live it out, the, who I'm supposed to talk to, whatever, right? Yeah, I think all of the above. And uh, so, you know, as a, you know, I'm a, I'm one of the, we are both uh, two of the pastors of this church and I'm the, the lead guy. So a little more falls on me. Yeah. And so when I ask for wisdom as a leader, I think it's a good prayers. And so I'm saying I, not just to know the direction, but uh, how to lead and to actually lead, uh, which means you from time to time give orders from time to time you direct people and, and to direct them wisely uh, and not, I think it's all that you, it's, it, that includes everything you, you said as well. And the, the willingness to be obedient in that moment. I mean, how many times have you not done what you knew you should have done in the moment? I mean, most of us, if we think for a little while, can think of a time where there is a, something presented to us in the moment and you sensed in the moment, I should probably give this person something, or I should probably speak to this person. Uh, and, um, and, but then you didn't do it and you, has that ever happened to you? Yeah. Where you kind of, then you yeah. kind of felt a little guilt ridden. Uh, it's probably, it was probably legit. You probably needed to feel guilty because the spirit of God was probably in wisdom leading you to do something and you just, um, you didn't do it. You know, I, I told you yesterday, um, Abe, um, I was at the hospital to visit somebody that we know, and it was a pretty serious situation. And I had visited the person. I think you were on your way to visit them at the time. And um, I went back out into the um, uh, the lobby area, and there was a there was a young lady with her husband, and it was a, a pretty pretty tough situation. I could tell it had, I mean, it was very very obvious her husband was in trouble physically speaking. Uh, and they were waiting to get some help. And, uh, and the, the, the wife was interacting with the nurses back and forth. You could tell she had, there was a bit of a dis desperation on her. You could see it in her face and yet she was calm at the same time. It's kind of, it was something to admire to be candid, but I'm sitting there talking to some of the other family members. And I see her over here and I see the husband who's clearly in trouble. And I just sensed the Lord saying, you should go talk to her. I didn't hear anything, any voice inside of me or anything. I, you know, I just, I just sensed you should probably give her a word of encouragement. And I resisted it for not very long. I'm thankful for that. There have probably been other times that, but I didn't resist it. And I finally went up and talked to her and it turned out to be a great thing. And in fact, I'm going to that hospital tonight and found out a few moments ago that her husband is on the same floor as our friend that's in the hospital and uh, so I hope to pop in on him in just a few hours. And have wisdom to know what to say yeah. and when to say it yeah. and how to say it. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. Uh, just want, I wanted to touch base on the, the doubt. Um, your greatest enemy in your prayer is your doubt. Um, let, let's just talk about that, the double-minded soul, feelings versus facts. Um, what's the, what's the concern when it comes to that? You know, you talk about people who doubt and I think we've all been there. I've been there. I know I've doubted and like, oh man, God, like, what are we doing? And are you really going to come through? And, and, um, but you got, we're, we're so many people are about feelings right now. 
you know, I feel, I feel, I feel versus, versus the facts. Um, let's just talk a little bit about that. What's the, what's the concern if we continue our following our feelings versus our fa- uh, the facts of the truth that we, that we know and understand? Yeah, well, in the in the text, you know, this James tells it's really you know if he if he didn't have the the warning about doubting and the illustration of the waves, the text would just say if anyone asks uh, lacks wisdom, ask God, and that be that be it. The verse would be over. I mean, the context that's all. That's the only command there mm-hmm. is to. But then he then he takes off on this whole doubting thing, and he's so serious about it that he he tells us not only that we can't pray doubting, but if we do pray doubting, then we're just like an agitated sea. We're just being tossed all over the place. In my mind, I didn't say this in the message, but in my mind, I saw a YouTube here the other day. Uh, I've always, I, I don't know why I, you know, what I don't know what fascinates you. You're kind of a mountain guy, whatever. I don't know what you're looking at on okay. YouTube. I don't know you. You're kind of. I've always joked. You're one of these guys. You're always interested yeah. in the extreme guys stuff, you know. And I, I mean, I don't know. I got, I got hung up on looking at some of these tsunami, uh, tsunamis we've had over, you know, these yeah. last few years. Yeah, I've watched some of those. Oh man, I mean, you talk about clickbait. I mean, it's like, oh my goodness, some of the stuff that's going on. And anyway, but this wasn't a tsunami. It was a, it was a, it was a rogue wave. And it, these people, are, they showed these people, they're sitting in this restaurant. This restaurant's right there. All of a sudden, this wave just comes in and just crashes. Chairs are going all over the place. Nobody died or anything. But a kid got swept up, and they had to rescue the kid, the a little baby. It was just a rogue wave. And uh, I thought, that's that's what that's what praying in doubt is like. You're just getting thrown all over the place, and you're at the, you're at the mercy of the waves throwing you around. And uh, it just... I mean, I don't, I guess I have doubted, but I'm, I'm one of those faith guys. I think you know that, Abe, and that's what I have to, re- I have to try to relate to the doubters because I'm not much of a doubter. Uh, I don't mean that because I'm more special than anybody. I don't, I think just because the way I'm wired, you know, I yeah. just, I see the Bible, I read the Bible, I, that's what it says. I yeah. believe that. Remember the illustration I gave of, of Chuck DeClean who taught in our prayer and you were in that yeah. prayer thing and he. Uh, you remember when he said, you know, he talked about the charismatics. They take, they grab that passage where it says, if anyone prays and asks this mountain to be removed and it'll be done. And, and he goes, I know the charismatics have misused this. And then he had this little pause. Remember that? And he goes, but I love that. And I thought that's because he's a man of faith. He wants to, he believe in that God will, will do what he will do when I pray. And I've had God say no to me many, many times, many many times. But that doesn't make me a doubter. It just makes me a child of God who knows that as a, as a child of God, sometimes I'm bratty and I need to be told no once in a while. And, uh, I'm okay with that, but it's still, you know, what kid comes to their dad, mom and begs them for something. I mean, they're the perfect illustration of faith. Are they not? They've been, they've been rebuffed many times, but it's like, they're coming back for that candy, you know, and they wear that, they wear that mom down. They wear that dad down. Next thing you know, they're passing out the candy. Now God isn't getting worn out because we talked about that, but he, he did give us an illustration. I mentioned it in the sermon in Luke 18, where Jesus talked about the unrighteous judge who is like, oh my goodness, woman, give her what she wants for crying out loud, you know? And God's, and Jesus saying, God's not like that, but he does give. He's a, he's a, he loves to give to us. And I hope, I'm not trying to babble here. Um, 
I just want to live by faith, believing what I'm praying. And if the answer is no, I get it. I don't, it's not for me. Yeah. So in closing, what would you say to the doubter that's maybe struggling, that's they're, they're like the sea, they're tossed to and fro right now? Like, what would you say to them? In closing, I would say, in the, in the words of the, the wise comedian Bob Newhart, stop it. <laughs> uh, I mean, there you sir, have it. Yeah. The, I would say, stop it by believing the words of God. See, doubters, doubters tend to not be deep in truth. They don't, they, they might read their Bible or flit around their Bibles, but they need, you need to take the Bible, the word of God as the word of God. And, and those promises that are yours, you need to believe those promises and pray in faith, believing that God is going to give you what you're asking for. If it honors God and doesn't just honor yourself. And if the answer is no, oh, well, move on with life. God knew better than you did. Still got an answer. You still got an answer because no, last I checked, is an answer. Yeah, yep. That's good. Any any final thoughts? Anything else? No. Let's Appreciate may, it. May God raise up real prayer warriors who ask for wisdom in faith, without doubting, and because faith is the greatest uh, weapon in your arsenal, and yeah. it is, as the old hymn writer put it, the victory. Yeah. God bless you to that end. <laughs>